Hi everyone, welcome to the latest episode of Voice of Experience. My name is Tamu and I'm your host. In the latest episode of Voice of Experience, I was joined by Rupa and Sajni, who are founders of Dear Brown People, which is effectively an Instagram community um, that's um, dedicated to exploring the South Asian experience in the diaspora. And uh, it was really incredible to talk to them. Um, did you get to know them as individuals? Uh, what led to the creation of Dear Brown People, uh, the work that they're currently doing, the themes that they've explored, and what they would like to do going forward. I'm a huge fan of Dear Brown People. Um, they really do make an effort to be as critical and as, and as intersectional as possible, uh, which is something that fits really well with Expert by Experience. Um, so they talk about things like um, common factory workers in the global south. They'll talk about gender stereotypes and challenging gender stereotypes. Um, they'll talk about things such as belonging. Uh, they'll also explore uh, the role South Asians have played historically in British culture. Um, and it's incredible work that they do. I'm a huge fan. And so yeah, I thought it'd be very good to uh, sit down with them. And yeah, just get to know them and the platform and um, also do a favor in return because they had me on uh, on the interview series uh, a few weeks ago. So yeah, I hope you enjoy our, our conversation. As always, I'm more than open to feedback. So if you would like to send feedback through, you can do it via email, social media, whatever works for you. So yeah, I hope you enjoy this wonderful conversation. Welcome to the latest episode of uh, Voice of Experience. I'm joined by Rupa and Sajni from Dear Brown People. Hi, both. Hi, thanks for having us. Yeah, we're excited to be here. Uh, yeah, I think it was good to return the favour, seeing as um, you had me on a couple of weeks ago. Um, so yeah, I think it's just a, another way to get to know you both and Dear Brown People even more. Yes, absolutely. We're actually looking forward to putting our little interview series out there for everyone to see. A bit delayed, but we'll get there. <laughs> <laughs> I um, I think when you do the stuff that we do, I always like to work at like a quote-unquote sleeper train. So a sleeper train is when you just work at your own pace. Um, because initially I felt like a level of pressure when I was just doing stuff on Expert by Experience and created like a rhythm. Uh, and I felt like a bit of like a prisoner to that rhythm. So it's just nice to not do things at my own pace. Yeah, that's a good bit of advice there, actually. I think we're learning that only recently. <laughs> yeah, um, I think everyone has their own way of working, but um, I never want, uh, I would never want expert work screen to feel like a, a like a quote unquote, like job. So I think um, finding your own rhythm has helped me in the past few months. Yeah, that's um, great. Really good. Um, I think a lot of people struggle with that, to be honest. Um, you get sucked into this, and it's sometimes it's hard. It, you forget why you started um, in the first place. I, I agree completely. Um, but yeah, I think that's something that yeah we can definitely talk about that later on. But uh, yeah, it'd be great for you both to introduce yourselves as, as individuals, but also to dear brown people. Yeah, shall I, shall I go first? So, um, 
My name's Rupa, I'm one of the co-founders of Dear Brown People. So just a bit about me, I live um, in the northwest of England. Um, I work as an optometrist um, and me and Sajani, who's going to introduce herself next, we're, we're basically university friends, um, so we've known each other for a very long time. Um, a bit too long, I think, now. <laughs> and, um, yeah, we started Dear Brown People just because we're, we're basically an Instagram community um, that try and kind of talk about topics and issues that relate to the South Asian diaspora. And I'll let Sajni talk a little bit more about that. Uh, so I'm Sajni. Uh, I'm also an optometrist who has recently moved to the east of England. Um, so yeah, as Rupa said, uh, the whole point of DBP was um, we just realised as you know the South Asian diaspora we face such a wide array of barriers and challenges, um, which is often behind closed doors. We don't really talk about it that much, or it's not generally spoken about. Um, so we started having these conversations amongst ourselves and realised that there's so many others out there who might be going through exactly the same thing. Mm. Um, and then being in lockdown, I guess we had a lot more time so a lot, um, to think and reflect about our views and experiences. And I guess who better to talk about this than with your best friends, right? So yeah. that's how DVD started. <laughs> Yeah, and I think that's something that really comes across when you look at the Instagram page that uh, what look at dear brown people is the fact that the conversations that you have on there are almost and and that's what I love about it are almost in the way that you would just talking to your friend about really important things like belonging, uh, about our own cultures, things that we like or we dislike, um, and yeah, it's something that that's really appreciated. Uh, I would say in the sense that the way it really comes across you still have those values on the page? Oh, thank you. I'm glad it I'm glad it reads that way. Yeah, that was the intention, so I'm quite glad that it come, comes across that way, really. Yeah, it's it, it makes typically what subjects that would be inaccessible accessible because of the way that they are presented, like, you know, as if you're talking to your friend. Um, yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, like Sash said, we, we were having these conversations between us, so actually Dear Brown People is made up of five of us, um, five friends from university and so we were having these conversations and even just between the five of us we realised the kind of the differences in perspective and um, even things that we all relate to having been brought up in different places so we thought you know it's probably even more so if you expand that out to the, the kind of greater South Asian um, community and so yeah I'm really glad it kind of comes across that way That's the that was the aim yeah, no, it really does. It, it captures the diverseness that exists within our communities, which is very important. Um, and I think that's one of the key things that I really feel the page really explores, you know, that sense of identity and communities. And I, I guess I really wanted to talk about that because um, I feel like we don't talk about it enough. Like, what what do those things like mean to you and to the page itself? And yeah, I think that will help people understand why the page came to be and, yeah, what it wants to be, I guess. Um, so, I guess in terms of the page, uh, on Instagram, you know, we've been 
the Instagram generation for quite a few years now. Um, and we've been, you know, we follow so many great pages out there. And I think a lot of them that we came across were mainly for women. But mm. what we create a platform where everyone felt inclusive, you know, males, females, non-binaries, everyone, um, all of which exist within our community. And as a community, we experience certain challenges as it is, but we also have our own individual battles, mm. which sometimes when it's, a, I guess, more of an individual battle, you don't, you feel like you're in it alone, but there's so many people out there who are going through exactly the same thing. So it's nice to get that out there and, you know, it's a place where no one should be felt like no one's left alone. Everyone's, you know, it's inclusive to everyone. Um, and hopefully people relate to it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think like that perfectly sums up the community side of things. Like that was the whole aim of trying to build this online community, I guess, with yourself as well. You're doing quite a similar thing. Um but you, you mentioned like identity and that's something that we've spoken about quite recently on our page. Um, you know, being part of the diaspora, meaning, you know, you've got this kind of ancestry and these expectations that people have of you or even you have of yourself, you know, being part of this, having this heritage, but also being brought up in a country that, you know, is very different um, mm. and, and trying to find your place in that. And so, like I said, the five of us had very different perspectives already. And so we were just genuinely just interested about how other people perceive their identity, mm. um, you know, and what, what that meant to them. And we, we did a post recently about home and what home means to them. And it was really, really interesting to, to hear people's different kind of opinions on that. Yeah, I mean, it's it, it is really incredible uh, to see that the work that you do because you really do tie it into like the different forms of identities that we have, whether it's sexual orientation, whether it's location based. So like, I really love the post that you did about being brown in Britain, like the small survey. Yeah. Um, and I think, it, yeah, I think you do an incredible job at being able to unpack the, not only being brown, but also the various identities that we have on top of of that yeah thank you yeah I, th I think that's part of it it's just you know being brown is just the kind of the superficial um mm. thing that everyone sees and they kind of lump you all together in one kind of basket and we, we spoke about labels as well um but you're right like it's everyone has it, depending on where you grew up or like the people that you were surrounded with or you know it can really really change and inf influence your your kind of perspective on what your identity is yeah I, I agree and that typically that's the feedback that always comes out whenever there is something uh say there is a film about a south asian experience that's been released there will always be rightfully so voices that come out that say well this isn't reflective of my experiences um and i think that's where dear brown people hits it home so well because it really makes an effort to try and be inclusive of all the various identities and cultures and communities that exist um yeah and i know i know i keep complimenting it but it, like it is very it's a very important thing and it's incredible to see because typically, like you say, we do all get clumped together under the, uh, like, 
the bracket called brown. Yeah. And don't worry, we, we enjoy the compliment, so. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, yeah, uh, I mean, that's like, yeah, I think when I really, really appreciate something and I understand it, like, yeah, I'm really able, able to preach it like on a deeper level as to what it's achieving. It's, it's really hard not to compliment, um, which I guess, and like going back, identity and community is quite central to Dear Brown People as a platform and, and to you as individuals. Um, so like, how has your view of your, our communities changed and also in relation to the perceived role that you have in it? Like, is it, because I'm presuming you didn't necessarily have the idea of creating something like Dear Brown People at the age of 16, or maybe you did. Um, so like, yeah, what has your journey been in terms of how you relate to our communities and then your re- your perceived role in it? Um, what I'll say is, um, so when I, you know, growing up, um, I was, so again, I wasn't born and brought up in this country. I was um, in Kenya. Um, but our, where my area, we had a large Indian community. My school was predominantly full of people from the same background. So I didn't struggle when I was there because I felt I fit right in. Mm. Now, as I've got older, I've got a job and I've moved away um, okay, moved here to London, which again, you know, it was still okay, but now moving away to the east of England, which um, to a predominantly non-Asian town, I feel like this is where I've got questions several times about my identity being like, well, where are you, like, where are you really from? Or, um, you know, you should probably go back to where you came from. Um, and I got into the healthcare profession to help people, but certain people have you know, refused my help purely based on my skin colour rather than my capabilities. Wow. Um, questioning that, like, you know, it has come more into question as I've got older um, than when I was younger because when I was, you know, when you're young, you all you want to do is fit in, mm. you know, which I did because I was in the same um, school as people from the same background, so it was, it was fine. But it has been a bit more challenging now than I did when I was younger which I think a lot of people will probably say the opposite way around where it was challenging as you went kid <laughs> a bit <laughs> easier yeah I, my, so my experience is, is pretty much the opposite I guess um, but I think probably similar in some ways so I grew up in a very multicultural area but most of my close friends were not Asian and so, like exactly what Saj said, obviously when you're a child, all you want to do is fit in. Um, you, like, being different is, is seen as weird. And so I didn't really embrace my culture as much. Or if I did, it was, you know, behind closed doors at home. It wasn't at school. It wasn't with my friends. Um, but as I've grown older and maybe met more people who have similar backgrounds to me, it's then I have questioned it more and you know I think it is just an age thing where you you get older and you um you find that you find things about yourself that you just you know you're not as you're not as kind of conscious about it it doesn't even have to be about race or like you know anything like that it could be your hair or your height or I don't know the your humor like you, you just learn to like yourself a little bit more and realize it's not about fitting in it's about just being who you are mm. and figuring that out um and so yeah at 16 I definitely wouldn't have thought 
I would be doing something like this um, at all. Um, but now I, I really, really enjoy just talking to other people and kind of finding out what their journey was and how their kind of perspective of their culture has changed because it's definitely changed for me. Um, I've, I've learned to embrace it a lot more. Yeah, it's quite inter- interesting how you both have like opposite experiences of coming into um, community or a sense of community um, as you've gotten older. Um, but I think with what you said, Rupa, like that's, that is an experience that a lot of us in the South Asian diaspora have experienced that as we grow older, we begin to feel more comfortable within ourselves. Yeah. And I think as a result, we actively search out people who have had similar experiences, like the way we, we met, <laughs> um, in the sense that we both have, all, all three of us have platforms that kind of celebrate who we are. Um, and yeah. it's not really something that we imagined we would be doing in our teenage years. Um, but suddenly your experience, sorry, just going back to, uh, there's something that really caught my attention was the fact that you said some people had, I know this is off topic, but people have rejected your help because of your you being of your skin colour. Yes. Um, and it surprised me at the start. Um, but then I, you know, I got told about how common it happens. And I think when the first time it happened, it was, it was more of a shock. And I'm like, oh, I'm doing exactly the same job as a non-Asian person. Um, but I think as we've come to accept that there are people out there who think that and sometimes it's hard to change their opinion um and they probably have their own reasons for thinking that um i don't personally know what their reasons are but i would love to know yeah yeah i think it's more common than you think Uh, like even up here we've we've experienced the same thing um i remember a, a patient coming in once and refusing to see an asian doctor or optometrist or whatever and the whole clinic was made up of Asians <laughs> so they just couldn't get seen because there was an Indian consultant and a Sri Lankan doctor and a you know a, a Pakistani nurse and it was just it was just quite funny because you know that's what the NHS is made up of so you can't go you can't go demanding things like that um it's get away with it for me, like, I mean, you hear about these stories on social media and stuff, but if actually talk to people who have experienced this, it's like, it, it, it's like, it is like beyond me as to how you could reject. I mean, it, I don't know, I just can't wrap, wrap my head around it. It's, yeah, no, nor can we. <laughs> just kind of shocking the first time, but it, it's sad that it happens so often that you almost get used to it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, I just I just went off topic because it's, that's the first time I've ever heard um, someone say, like, in conversation to me, that that's happened, and it's like it just I can't right I can't wrap my head around it. I think that deserves its own episode. Um, yeah. I think what's even more bizarre is when they they kind of go down that route. They assume you're they use words like foreigner, and you know the 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 classic question where are you really from and they just don't accept that you're from the same place as them (laughs) it's like i'm like i've got a british accent where do you think i'm from like i I just i don't get it sometimes 
but uh, I guess that's again the question, or rather the comment that your English is very good. <laughs> yeah, I get that too. It's it's interesting. So like uh, you know we're talking about uh, community and belonging. So like as you've gotten older and you know you've become more comfortable in yourself, how have you navigated how you engage with the Britishness of your identity? And this is a question that I'm kind of like now uh, grappling with in my life. Um, I think I've always kind of considered myself British. And like I said, I grew up probably embracing that side more than my Indian heritage. Um, but now it's more of like trying to find that balance between the two. Mm. I'm realizing I, I, we, we did it, we shared a... Um, a TEDx talk on our page the other day. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure if you saw it. I saw it, um, yeah. It was about having dual heritage um, rather than... And it was it was somebody who was talking about how he was brought up having an English mum and a Punjabi Indian dad. Um, and he was talking about how he's both not half, and this was his campaign... Was that he was he is both heritages he he you know he classifies that he's both and he's not half Indian he's not half English um, and I think that's the same with people of the diaspora like we don't have to just be British and we don't just have to be Indian or Pakistani or Bangladeshi like we can be dual heritage um, or you know dual identity and I think that's quite a good thing like we get to choose from two things <laughs> we get to kind of take the best bits of both. Um, and embrace that, really. Not sure if that answers your question. No, 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 it does. Uh, <laughs> it, it, that makes complete sense. Would you like to add anything on to that, Sajini? Um, yeah, so I think, you know, we, as um, people living in the diaspora, um, social media, television, you know, it has such a heavy influence on who we are and how we have changed over time. Mm. At the same time, you know, being, you know, living in Britain, you know, you still, you want to do what's normal. And what's normal for you here may not be what's normal for people who actually live in, you know, South Asia and Pakistani, India, Bangladesh, Sri Lanka. Um, so I think it gets to a point where, yeah, it's just all about finding the right balance for you. And some sometimes what's right for you may not necessarily be right for someone else, but... You know, you have to do what you feel is the best for you to make you the best person you can be. So it's about embracing what you want. I agree completely. Um, I think for me growing up, I always, uh, I didn't want to engage with like the Britishness of my identity. But I think as I've gotten older and became more comfortable with having both identities, I think it's, it's just about for me finding a balance. Um, but I think my issue was growing up or what I saw with the people around me was that they would always equate Britishness with whiteness and I think that's where I had issues because the minute you, for me, equate Britishness with with whiteness you make yourself not part of that narrative as a person of colour so I think for me the the key learning thing as I've gotten older is being able to accept my British identity but that's inclusive of the people of colour that are typically erased from British history, I guess? 
yeah I guess so so that's always I guess that always comes into question isn't it um with the white first surrounding it um some people in there you know you can't be both but being in the diaspora you didn't have an option you you just had to be both Mm. you were not willing to accept one side of it um and i feel like a lot of people struggle with that you know they they feel like they need to choose sides when really you don't have to you can be both at the same time yeah and do you think is it because so you know having to navigate both identities is actually quite challenging it will present you with questions you've never been asked in your life or you've never really had to think about do you think um wanting to choose like one side over another makes for i guess a simpler life in a way that there is less to navigate or there are less challenges to navigate i think they come with challenges on of their own equally um in terms of i guess when you're choosing between the two sometimes yeah it might just feel easier being like stick to one and you know, it's almost like there's a rule book out there that being like, okay, you do this if you're on this side or you do this if you're on the other side. But in reality, it doesn't have to be like that if you don't want it to be like that. Yeah, I agree completely. Um, I think in our, our willingness to have a more simpler life, which we kind of, we kind of not realise the fact that we will have a relatively complex life because of the fact we belong to two, um, two communities, two cu- countries or two cultures. Um, yeah. Did you want yeah, to add like, anything onto that, Rupa? Or certainly, I don't yeah, know. well, no, I, def- I, I definitely agree. I mean, everything you said there. I think we touched on that when we spoke about, it really simplified when we asked, do you ever feel too brown or not brown enough? And I think those kind of questions only get really asked when you're in that kind of situation where you're trying to balance two communities and two um, identities you know like even within the Asian community you can feel like you're not Asian enough or you know and then you're Mm. in the British community say and you feel like you're not British enough and that's the challenge is finding that kind of that balance of where you feel comfortable it's not necessarily what society wants of you but where you feel like you're happy in the place that you're at and you mentioned to more that um you know like the hit like people in, in british history that people of color anyway that don't really get mentioned and you know we don't talk about them and that's probably why we have this kind of skewed perspective of britishness equaling whiteness mm. um but yeah that's that's one of the things we spoke about recently as well at dear brown people and that's why we did that post on yep you know south asians and that impacted history because these are people that we just don't know and we just like no one really talks about but they are you know they've made waves in in britain um and these are people of color that have done that and it's just it's just putting that information out there um, and being more aware of it, and that can make you feel differently about your own identity somehow. Yeah, um, it's just for education, I guess. Yeah, I feel like it makes you feel like you belong. Knowing that 
historically people who have looked like you have made contributions to the society that you exist in when you've been told that you bring nothing to British society is quite empowering actually yeah exactly you worded it correctly <laughs> that, that, that's exactly it yeah I think yeah with schools and things because you never learn about it and personally I didn't know about some of these people um, until you know I went out there to do my research because it's never taught anywhere it, they never made part you know like part of the common history books there's nothing on them there it's until you actually you know, do your own research and just want to read more about it a bit more curious about you know Surely there has to be some people out there and you find that they are. But, and it's such a shame that people don't know about them because they've had such a huge impact um, on everything, like certain aspects of, like when we're talking about, you know, voting rights and feminism, science, technology, there's so much out there. And South Asians have played a big, you know, South Asians have played a big role um, into developing all of that uh, I agree completely um, yeah and because typically or not typically most likely people of color or black contributions in history are erased like 98% of the time so yeah I, I really appreciate that you did a post like that because it one they went down really well but also is a very good educational tool um, for like people our age or older or even young people because yeah these are not figures you typically see um, and then I think just sticking to the like you know the the conversation around communities etc like I know with DBP you do te- you do a lot of work in terms of challenging like gender stereotypes um, and also like even challenging capitalism by talking about like South Asian garment workers in in the global south um, so like what are like some of the challenges you've experienced or you would like to challenge with DBP based on like you know growing up like what are some of the challenges you've experienced growing up in our communities that you feel like you know you think like you know that's not right that kind of needs to be progressed a bit Mm. i think gender roles is a is a a huge topic Mm. um and well i guess sashini and i we've both grown up with just um with no brothers but some of the other girls have and it's you see the the, the the dynamics are different between having a daughter and having a son um and it's it's well known within the south asian community you know gender roles is something that we really need to work on i think and i think it is getting better and i think even stuff like yourself where you're doing your um dirty men in the kitchen like i we love we, i've told you this so many times but we, we love that, that whole um segment of yours um because we just think it's we're in the 21st century and you know we're we're so progressed in other ways and yet sometimes we have this very i don't want to say backwards but very like traditional way of thinking um that just doesn't fit with the times we live in now um and maybe it did at the time years and years ago um but yeah so gender roles is something i've always kind of seen as I've always tried to challenge anyway, you know, when aunties and um, your parents and grandparents kind of make these comments about you just on your gender, um, you know, like when are you going to get married or your cooking abilities or, you know, anything really. Um, And I think I've grown up trying to challenge that and say that we're trying to just kind of 
expand on that through our through our post. Yeah, I think um, another one would possibly be you know education. The going to university, what kind of course you do um there's quite a heavy impact on that as well in terms of our community um society parents friends family everyone they have this certain mindset that you know you must go to university you must do a certain degree you know become a lawyer a doctor an engineer um which again they only perceive those as successful careers and anything besides that is you're wasting your life so i think again with in terms of community i think we need to be progressive and change our mindset to things like that so you know there's so many inspiring south asians who haven't stuck to what you know some may call the typical careers and are smashing it out there so yeah yeah, I mean, that's one of the reasons why we started doing this interview series. Um, we just wanted to kind of highlight those people that are doing that, that, you know, are South Asian, living the diaspora, but not just conforming to stereotypes and perhaps doing something a little bit out there that, you know, other people can either relate to or be inspired from. And that's that's why we interviewed you. <laughs> yeah. Exactly why we interviewed you. <laughs> Although I recognize EB is relatively like doing good work, but I do have a day job which is in data. So I, just to I put mean, that out there, no, I agree completely. I think um, the the work that we do is very important. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I think it's. Yeah, <laughs> it's just really funny. Um, I think it's the fact that, you know, it shows how much people care when they're willing to do things on top, outside of their day job to really progress uh, the dialogue forward. And my, like, you know, like you both have said as well, like for me, a dream would be a South Asian child growing up, knowing that dedicating their full-time job to mental health is not, quote-unquote, unsuccessful. Yeah. Um, that yeah, they don't that's have... the dream. <laughs> yeah, and I think that's that's effectively like like a a goal of mine that like they wouldn't need to get day jobs like I do like to work in data and then do extra experience after work. I would ideally like that child to grow up doing like mental health full time and then be equally celebrated for it and rewarded for it. Yeah, I agree. And I think the work we're doing and a lot of other people are doing now is that kind of stepping stone towards that goal. Um, I think, you know, I can only speak for myself, but kind of the, our parents' generation weren't quite there and we're just a little bit closer and hopefully the next generation will be even closer um, to kind of pushing those boundaries a little bit more and making it normal. Yeah, it's it's interesting, like, you know, you literally just touched on it there, like, recognizing your role in, like, an intergenerational um, progress. Um, and is this something that has come to you both, like, recently? Or when did you start to realize that, you know, like, the role that you play in effectively what is like a marathon? And we will, like, by the end of our lifetimes, things would have progressed, but not, you know, like, not all the way 
if there is such a thing. But um, yeah, so when did those ideas, or if this is the first time you think about it, like when did you realize your role within that marathon, I guess? I think for me, very, very recently. Um, I think I've always been the type of person that wants instant results. And so in anything I do in life, like I'll, I'll want to be good at it almost immediately um, and don't see this kind of bigger picture. And it's only through kind of having conversations like this um, with people like yourself or like amongst us um, at DBP, like I've just realised that actually like it's not just one person's game. This, this, it needs to be kind of a group effort to, like you said, it's intergenerational. Um, but yeah, I, I hadn't really thought of that before. It was almost very like, I need to challenge this now. Why is no, like, why are the older generations not listening to me? Mm. You know, why are they not kind of, how can I change their mentality and change their perspective? But really that's not the goal. The goal is to change the next generation. Um, and and try to get them to at least listen to you. You might not change their change their opinion on things, but just having the conversations is a good start. Completely agree. Would you like to add anything to that, Sajini? Yeah, I think so. Um, I guess for me is um, perhaps when it has been a little while, not very recent. Um, but it might be, you know, when you're young and you're still, you're questioning your parents about why we do certain things, like why is it that way? Um, and when you realise that, well, they don't have a good enough answer for your question and then you, you know, you go looking for answers outside, uh, which is mostly, you know, amongst your peers, your workmates, your friends, um, pages that you follow on Instagram. Um and that's where you realise that it's yeah, it's all about, you know, it's a collective thing and a lot of people are questioning that. And it's a good thing that we're questioning this because it's easier to follow something and believe in something when you know the reason why you're doing it. Mm. Um so yeah, I think it's it makes you know, you you doing it because you want to do it, not because you old to do it or because that's what tradition says or that's what that says or that's what your parents say for that matter yeah i completely agree there's so many traditions that don't make sense or you think are problematic and when you question them you realize as to why they are that way and then you're like oh hold on a minute this isn't right um and yeah, uh, I, I agree with you both in that it is effectively setting things up for the next generation to then, for them to, you know, continue on their journeys and challenges, um, which then I guess fits into the, like uh, us talking about the next generation fits into the next question really well is what advice would you have for someone who wants to start something similar to like Dear Brown People? Um, because imagine if there's like a 16 year old uh, person, they are listening to this podcast and like, wow, I love what DBP do, but they want to start it on like a, the, on a local level or like o- online. Um, yeah, just what are some of the learnings or advice would you give to someone like that? Um, I'd probably say just do it. There's never going to be a perfectly right time to start something. 
um, if you genuinely believe in something, shout about it. Let your voice be heard. You don't. You 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 know. You may never know who you might help along the way. And not only that, but you'll realize that how many people who hold similar opinions, experiences to with you, and you can talk about it. But not only that, I guess sometimes with this also, you get different perspectives about a situation which you would have never thought of before. Mm. So it also broadens how you think and how you process um, certain situations. So just do it. Don't let anything stop you. <laughs> might be yeah. rough at the start, it might, but it's all a learning curve. We're learning. We still, you know, sometimes we're still a bit clueless about what we're doing. I think um, most of the time we're clueless. I think, yeah. I think like the whole, the whole point and the whole uh, starting this was never like us imparting our wisdom or opinions or perspective on anyone it was literally just to talk to people and get their opinions and kind of have this open dialogue and learn from the whole thing and so if there's someone out there that wants to start something like that like Saj said there's there's no right time so other than now um it's just you know it's, it's a bit difficult putting yourself out there sometimes, but you don't necessarily have to do it that way. Um, there are different kind of formats that you can you can do. You can get have an Instagram page, you can do podcasts, you can, you know, write blogs. There's so many different ways to be creative and have your voice heard. Um, and I think now's the time where everyone's kind of realising that. I think, you know, there's, there's loads of people popping up all over the place and it's great. Amazing. I agree uh, completely, um, and I and I agree with the idea that you're pretty much like, I mean I literally just do things off the cuff. There is no planning to expert by experience at all. It's just like oh, people are thinking about this, so let's just work on that kind of thing. Um, like, but what are some of the key, not key challenges, but what was one thing that you really had to I guess overcome uh, starting out or still experience. Um, I think pla- I think uh, there is an, an aspect of planning. Um, yes, you do want to be a bit planning in the community at the time. Um, but we found that you know, not just being kind of a puppet to whatever all the other accounts are talking about. Mm. And so it's really easy to do that because you know one person talks about a certain topic and it's almost as if all the others start talking about that too Mm. um and whilst it's interesting we didn't want to go down that route and so you know we tried to plan you know we had a a big list of topics that we wanted to discuss and you know kind of what we wanted to talk about next and did our research and we have these like meetings because like i said there's five of us that's quite a lot of people to try and (laughs) organize um content but yeah, being organised and, and planning um, has really helped us, I think. Um, and just communicating well between... Uh, we're, we're lucky, it's, you know, we're five best friends, so communicating isn't a problem. But um, if you're more than one person trying to run things, you know, you, you've got to have a lot of trust in them too. Yeah, I think it faces its own challenges as well. Um, also, I guess, you know, having a full-time job um, as well... Um, but at the same time, trying to do, do this, um, 
you know, a lot of time, a lot of effort, a lot of research goes into this, um, a lot of discussion, a lot of opinions, you know, just amongst the five of us as well. Um, so it's just collating all of that and despite all the challenges you face, it's just coming together as a group and putting it out there. Yeah, so, it's... Yeah, Sorry. it's really all about planning um, and just being a bit organized. If, you know, if there's no organization, things wouldn't run as smoothly as it should. Oh, and also, it's okay not to post every day. <laughs> it's okay <laughs> to, like, not go to plan as well. Like, that's fine. It's, you know, it's your page, so don't, don't like, succumb to that. We, 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 we learned that the hard way. <laughs> That's very sound advice. Um, and then those are things that I like completely, I resonate with. Um, I can see that we're coming up to like an hour mark in about 12 minutes. Um, we'll close, close off the podcast there with the final question, uh, which is what are the future plans for DBP? Um, who knows? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I say we plan, but I'm not sure we plan that far ahead. Uh, I, I think... We just want to see the community grow um, and I'd quite like this interview series that we mentioned before to grow as well um, and just kind of get that a different format, a different way of spotlighting South Asians um, and talking about different aspects of, of life really. Um, it's no one thing um, but I'd quite like to see it grow. I mean it has done quite well surprisingly mm. in the past few months so um, if we can carry on as we are, I'll, I'll be happy with that, I think. I agree with Rubes. Um, it's it's actually been quite nice. and We've had so much positive feedback, so much positive engagement. And it's made, you know, it's made all of this worth it, just realising that so many people out there can relate. And, you know, no one's alone. Everyone, we're all in this together. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, uh, I like I said, like there's, I could talk about DBP for another hour because I really appreciate the work that you do, like especially in terms of, uh, like you know, discussing, like I said, uh, garment factory workers in the global south and demanding justice for them, and just like identity, but then also genders, like roles. It's, it's very intersectional, which is like incredible to see. Um, and it's very important. So yeah, I, again, I can't compliment the work that you do enough because it is so important. Um, yeah. So and actually, I'll do this at the end. Where where pe- where can people find you? But first, it's quick fire round. <laughs> oh no! Uh, this, is your, this is your revenge. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so it'll be interesting to do a quick fire round with two people, but we'll give it a go. I need like I think I need like a like a specific sound or something for the quick fire round maybe like fires like thing goes off or something something yeah. like dramatic <laughs> yeah you do something dramatic yeah and maybe. uh sorry go ahead sorry do you want like one of us to answer first or yeah i think one person answers and then the other one answers i think um you can choose between the two of you who goes first and who goes second um <laughs> right. first person to answer i guess that they'll be the first one <laughs> sorry Whoever can think of an answer first, I guess, is the first one. 
Okay. <laughs> Sounds good. Okay, great. And the questions here, eighty percent of those questions are what you asked me. So this is pretty much revenge. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, even though there's like two different questions in there, which are I guess, uh, yeah, which are not what you asked me. Um, okay, cool. Question one: favorite South Asian food. I'm going to say what we call binda or bindi, okra, whatever you want to call it. Um, it's just very homely food to me. And people always laugh when I say that's one of my favorites because it's not really that exciting, but it reminds me of home. So I love it. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, I think mine would be my mom's dal and rice. She literally makes the best dal ever. I've tried and failed multiple times. <laughs> it sounds like you both are really into homely foods, like comfort homely foods, because those are very like homely, like, you know, when you come home after work and it's just like, it's just there. Because if, like, if I'm staying over at my mom's, there's just like, there's a pot of food, which is just so homely and nice and it just takes you back. I think when I think of Asian food, that's what I think of though, it is just food I'd have at home, like food I'd have outside, uh, from home is feels completely different it, yeah yeah it's not the, no mum's touching it <laughs> yeah it hasn't got mum's touching it and i think what i'm trying to do is now to get dad involved in the cooking as well because um, dad just can't sit there and eat the food he has to get <laughs> yeah he has to do his part <laughs> that, that, the tricks because i i need to use that on my dad so once you find out <laughs> um okay second question uh, a book that inspires you um i think that would be the alchemist for me uh so it's more about you know it's all about chasing your dreams no matter how big or small they are um there'll be so many ho- obstacles so many hurdles so many people trying to stop you along the way but it's all about chasing and going after what you want and you know, perseverance. If you persevere enough, work hard enough, um, anything is possible. Nice. Oh, I need to read that still. Um, I would probably say, I don't know if it's inspired me, but I, I really do love the book. It's called A Thousand Splendid Sons, which is quite popular, so you, you might have even read it yourself. Um, but it's a fictional book, and it's based in Afghanistan. Um, and I think it's just so such an emotional story um it it really gives you kind of it makes you feel lucky with the life that you have um so yeah i would i'd recommend that as a read if you haven't already oh i will definitely check it out um i've heard of it but i've never read it for both it's, books yeah, actually it's, it's one of my favorites so definitely okay uh, okay next one favorite naughties boy band slash girl band Life. Um, <laughs> so I had a poster of Westlife up in my room for many years as a child. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, looking back at it now, it is quite embarrassing, really. <laughs> no. No. I mean, I, I had the biggest like. I love blue, so you know. Oh, yes, blue. Oh, such a solid boy band. <laughs> Sashni, did you say Coldplay? Absolutely love them. I do love Paradise. Yeah, 
<laughs> I think that's a common one. That's a very common one. Yeah. Coldplay. Oh, Coldplay are great. Yeah, they're not embarrassing at all. <laughs> um, I love Clocks by Coldplay. That just reminds you of my childhood. Yes. Um, and Yellow and Fix You and just that whole era of Coldplay songs. <laughs> great. <laughs> um. And yeah, don't be embarrassed about Westlife, Rupert. Like you love what you love. Like I think I'm starting to own. I'm starting to own my naughties. Like especially in lockdown, I found that I'm listening more to songs from my teenage years as a way to like escape what's happening in a way. Do you almost feel like, nostalgic? I've so, like, noticed that too. I I just I don't know anything about new music that's out in the past couple of years. I could just keep going back to the old stuff. Maybe that's me getting older i don't know it's um i I need to confirm this but apparently there's a research that shows that when you listen to music from a teenage or childhood years it's actually good for your mental health because it reinvokes those initial memories oh Ah. that kind of it makes sense though because you know you go you take a walk down memory lane and it just leaves you with a smile on your face yeah um yeah I don't want to fake news that I will actually find that report and like tweet about it <laughs> um, yeah, because cool. it's, it's more hearsay. Uh, my partner told me that actually. Um, not that I say she's fake news, but <laughs> I just want to confirm it. <laughs> you need your, your sources and your references. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's 2020. You can never trust anyone, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure if she can hear you in the room. <laughs> she's that. just downstairs, so <laughs> she will hear the podcast and be like, uh... <laughs> You just call me fake news. Um, okay, next question. One myth in South Asian communities that never made any sense to you. Oh. Um, um, I'd say uh, when I was younger, um, a lot of, not particularly my mum, but a lot of my aunties used to tell me off for washing my hair on a Wednesday because apparently it would... Um, it would make, um, it would impact brothers, or if you don't have a brother, it'd go like the bad luck would fall on your dad. So that was. That's so weird. I've <laughs> never heard that one ever, but. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. I would get told not to um, cut my nails at night. Never heard that either. But that's apparently a thing. It's not good to do. <laughs> don't know. The one I had was never cross someone's like, uh, like their body limb, like walk over. Oh it. yeah, their legs or something. The legs, yeah. No, oh my god, mom, like go back right now, take yeah. a step back. I was like, why? It's bad <laughs> luck. <laughs> um, oh, where if you cross over someone's legs, it's, um, so they'll never grow. So I think that's the reason why I'm short. <laughs> <laughs> So like, I mean, I started doing like weights when I was 15 and my parents were like, oh, you, you will never grow any taller because you're doing like overhead weights. And funnily enough, I actually haven't grown taller since I was 15. So uh, <laughs> mm. <laughs> now that sounds like fake news. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, it is actually the fact that I, I had my growth spurt at 15 and I didn't grow any taller after that. So they're just like, we told you not to do any weights. So I was like. <laughs> Come but on. Say I told you so. Yeah. <laughs> um, and last one. Uh, this one is like, it might be difficult to answer, but like, what do you want to be when you grow up? Ah. Oh. Interesting. 
It doesn't have to be professional either. You can be free, you can be happy. Um, it's weird because you always think that you, you need to grow up still, but when do you get to the point when you feel grown up? I'm not sure. Um, I think the like, absolute goal would just be, you know, you're sitting there in your 80s and you look back at your life and you just, you're content. And you you're content that you've you know you've led a happy life that you've got friends and family, and that you've made some sort of positive impact and yeah that you you leave in something positive um, to the world. But I don't know if that's what you meant. <laughs> no, that is exactly what I meant, and that's a lovely response. Yeah, I think again I'd be the same. You know, I want to be someone who doesn't have regrets um even though these bad experiences i'd like to think of it as a as a lesson um or just a path to make something something so that something better comes along um so all in all i'd just like to be yeah i think happy is a good one yeah um well amen to that um i think that's a lovely (laughs) note to finish on uh seeing as our mark is up um, just before we say goodbyes, uh, more than happy for you to do shout outs for where people can find DBP and anything else. Yes, yeah, so you can find us on Instagram. Um, it's at dearbrownpeople underscore. Um, and yes, yeah, so if give us a follow or just check out our content and it'd be great to kind of expand that community really. Yeah, and anything, you know, anyone would like us to talk about, um, let us know. We're all about engaging and just want to know what ticks, what affects other people. So if you have any advice, any criticism, anything at all, we'll take it. Amazing. Um, Yeah. That I will be sure to tag you in all the social media posts, etc. Um, and yeah, thank you so much for coming on. It was incredible to speak to you both again and um, just yeah. to delve further into the work that you're doing, which is really important. And and yeah, it's incredible to see. Um, thank yeah. you so much for thinking of us and having us on your podcast. No worries. Uh, podcast exists for people like you. So it was really great <laughs> to have you both on. Um, Great. Thank you. Um, Thanks so much. Bye.